106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. Nine one one. What is your emergency? I need help. There's some people outside. I think they're trying to break into my garage. They're breaking into your home right now. Yeah. Can you send some police? What kind of police? What do you mean, what kind of police? Due to recent policy changes regarding police brutality, we need to ensure that the officers we send out are guaranteed to not be viewed as racist, trigger-happy, discriminatory in the event of a violent confrontation. So, Can you just send someone to help? I don't know what these people want. My family is here and... Oh my God, they just got into the garage. Please send some help. In order to send help, I need to know what race the perpetrators are, their age, their sexual orientation, what gender they are. Do they have a criminal record? Are they on drugs? If they are armed, and if so, what are they armed with? I don't care about any of that. Send help now. Sir, we cannot send white officers out there if the perpetrators breaking into your home are non-Caucasian. I can't send officers out there with guns if the alleged burglars are not armed. So, I need to know. Sir? Sir? Now, what is your emergency? Are you allowed to walk around without masks while others must wear them or face jail? Brighton police are apparently arresting a dad for throwing a ball to his daughter. Do you congregate without fear while others must socially distance? The poster says they were with friends at Norton Commons and admits they were failing to social distance. They say they were attacked by a couple claiming to be physicians. The video shows a man who the poster says choked one of the girls who was present Do you often find yourself allowed to burn down buildings, but your neighbors can't go to church? By what authority did you nullify the Bill of Rights in issuing this order? That's above my pay grade, Tucker, so I wasn't wasn't thinking of the Bill of Rights when we did this. Have you ever been allowed to loot a store while others could be fined simply for working in it? The executive order being blocked, you guys can't be open at all. We're not open, we're closed. You're in your store after Have the media ever called you a hero for defending your rights, but called other people grandma killers for defending theirs? Uh, This this notion that it's all, this notion that it's all only going to kill grandma, as if that were okay, has, has got to stop. Have you ever walked free after beating someone senseless with a two by four, while hairstylists are jailed for booking clients? I have to disagree with you, sir, when I, when you say that I'm selfish because feeding my kids is not selfish. I have hairstylists that are going hungry because they'd rather feed their kids. So, sir, if you think the law is more important than kids getting fed, then please go ahead with your decision, but I am not gonna shut the salon. If so, you may benefit from liberal privilege. Millions of people enjoy liberal privilege and don't even know it. But there are a few ways to know if you are one of the more fortunate. If you have ever been allowed to threaten someone on Twitter without having your account shut down, liberal privilege might apply to you. If the media have ever given you a pass for lighting a police department on fire, 
If you are allowed to pass microphones among strangers in a crowded town square, while pastors cannot pass around an offering plate. If city officials join you in the street to march for your cause, but condemn others for marching for theirs. If police have ever watched you burn down a restaurant that others aren't even allowed to eat in. If you have ever accused someone's speech of being violent while beating them in the head with a bike lock. This masked man captured on video bashing a Trump supporter over the head with a bike lock. If an entire global pandemic is pushed aside to give you the space to burn down your town, you may have liberal privilege. It's one thing to protest. I don't want to make light of this, and I'll probably get lit up by everybody who owns a nail salon in the state, but it's one thing to protest what day nail salons are opening. And it's another to come out in peaceful protest, overwhelmingly, about somebody who was murdered right before our eyes. Unfortunately, many Americans who enjoy liberal privilege have become complacent, content to openly violate laws and assault people, while law-abiding citizens are stripped of their constitutional rights. But while liberal privilege cannot ever be completely overcome, there are things you can do to recognize it and to help educate your fellow liberals. If you believe you may have liberal privilege, studying history and basic economics and achieving gainful employment have all proven effective tools in acknowledging the unfairly low standards to which you have been held. Studies have shown that watching CNN and MSNBC only enhance liberal privilege and are not recommended. Understanding your own leg up in the world takes time, openness, and the ability to talk to people outside your own college campus or urban vegan kombucha bar. If you have liberal privilege, it is up to you to see it and to change it. Only together can we make the world a smarter place. Okay, good evening to you, whatever time of the day you're listening, it's late, late evening for me, and it's a hot evening here in Northern California on uh, the 11th day of June, but this uh, podcast will appear on the 13th day of June after my friend Tanner cleans it up and makes it sound right. So you're listening to No Hostages Radio, and this is our 63rd podcast, and we will be here for a little over two hours, and there will be uh, six segments of me talking, about 20 minutes, and then uh, I got about five or six minutes of clips that are entertaining, interesting, provocative that I think you should hear. Otherwise, I wouldn't put them on here. So thank you for listening. If you want to reach out to me, you can at Lou, L-O-U, at NoHostagesRadio.com. Lou at NoHostagesRadio.com. You can also um, call me or text me at 530-713-1838. I am in Northern California. 530-713-1838. I do get back to people fairly quickly. 
And uh, if you <clears throat> connect it off your podcast source, but you'd like to look at our website, it, there's nothing fancy about it. It just simply has the episodes, all 63 of them, along with a couple articles a week. So that would be 126 articles that run in the Territorial Dispatch up here in Northern California. So uh, thank you for being with me today, tonight, or whenever, however it's working out for you. It's the beauty of podcast. And uh, <clears throat> I'd like to make some comments initially uh, or quote some comments from people that are actually quoting on today's news. I was telling, uh, we just got done with a trauma intervention training tonight. We send out volunteers 24 hours a day to help survivors of tragedy. And uh, I was just telling them how I was going to do this show. And uh, so I will get on with it then. We, we spent a couple hours here uh, training tonight. There's a, uh, I was, wrote an article for the Territorial Dispatch re referring to the PSYOP or the psychological operation that's going on as an Al Alice in Wonderland technique where um, they just, the goal is to dislodge you from your normal thinking and to cause confusion in your life. And when you have, when you're confused, confused, you become depressed and disheartened. You lose courage, or you get discouraged. When things that we once thought were right now are considered wrong, which we once thought were good are considered bad. Uh, once thought were white are now black, or black and white. In other words, everything is flipped upside down. So it's interesting. What will happen? Is God judging America? I wonder. I actually think so. I've been reading the books of uh, Ezra, Nehemiah, and Esther because it was all about <clears throat> the the desperate state of the of the Israeli people, the Jewish people, and uh, their attempt to get back to God and rebuild the country the way it once was. Uh, that's Ezra and Nehemiah. And then Esther, of course, was when they were already living in captivity. And the um, some people there in the country wanted to kill off all the Jews. You think, oh, I just thought Hitler wanted to do that. No, no, no. There's been lots of people that have been trying to kill the Jews. Isn't it interesting? It's just fascinating. When you get into a little bit of history and read the Bible, it's just uh, nothing that's going on is really that much of a surprise. We had a prayer meeting. We've been having nightly prayer meetings at church of glad tidings since this happened, this COVID thing. And, uh, we were just discussing in the prayer meeting, how that the, uh, the church in the United States reflects a backsliddenness is Israel. Well, uh, politicians, liberal, the, the liberal persuasion, but not just the liberal persuasion, are standing back and letting the nation be torn apart and destroyed and calling that a peaceful protest uh, and blessed by the Constitution. They're crazy 
And that's a lie. The Constitution allows for people to redress their grievances with the government in a peaceful fashion, protected by law enforcement. But we have people like Antifa and Black Lives Matter, socialists, communists that are destroying our, our, uh, our country, physically destroying it and hurting and killing people. That's criminal. And in uh, more rural areas where people have their sense about them, they will kill people that do that. But in the urban areas, they've lost their minds. So Benjamin Rush, who was a signer of the Declaration of Independence, the Constitution, said in 1788, where there is no law, there is no liberty, and nothing deserves the, same, the name of the law but that which is certain and universal in its operation upon all members of the community. Let me say that once more. Where there is no law, there is no liberty, and nothing deserves the name of the law but that which is certain and universal in its operation upon all the members of the community. The problem we have in the United States, even before these riots, is that we had one set of laws for the average American and another set of laws for the elite, like the Clintons and many other people. Did you ever see Al Sharpton go to jail for tax evasion? He evaded millions of dollars in taxes. Never went to jail. Isn't that interesting? Walter Williams and Thomas Sowell had been one of my favorite, two of my favorite economists and great writers, great thinkers of today, both of them at the end of their years, but still very bright. Um, Walter Williams said, the true plight of black people has little or nothing to do with the police or what has been called systematic racism. Instead, we need to look at the responsibilities of those running our big cities. Isn't that interesting? The true plight of black people. How about Thomas Sowell? Have we reached the ultimate stage of absurdity where some people are held responsible for things that happened before they were born, while other people are not held responsible for what they themselves are doing today? That bears repeating. Have we reached the ultimate stage of absurdity where some people are held responsible for things that happened before they were born? while other people are not held responsible for what they themselves are doing today. Star Parker, all these people are black, William Soul Parker. She said, if black people are victims of anything, it is that they live in a country that has become a wasteland of moral relativism. Finally, Thomas Sowell said, racism is not dead, but it is on life support, kept alive by politicians, race hustlers, and people who get a sense of superiority by denouncing others as racist. Doesn't that just ring true to you? I saw this list of things of Donald Trump. People that hate Donald Trump hate Donald Trump. That's all there is to it. It doesn't really matter what he does or doesn't do, says or doesn't say. They just hate him, everything he does. 
So it's interesting that before Donald Trump ran for president, he was well-loved. I don't know how sincerely, but well-loved by the black community because he gave a lot of money to them. Seems like that's what most of those politicians in Charlatan want. Charlatans want. So Jesse Jackson and Al Sharpton kissed up to him back in those days. So at one time, if, if Trump is a real racist, but actually you don't have to be a racist to be called a racist or be classified as a racist. You just have to not embrace the racist views of the Democrat Party. But Donald Trump, just in his own personal life, dated a black woman. He deported an ex-Nazi. He upgraded Martin Luther King's birthplace to a National Historic Park, posthumously pardoned legendary boxer Jack Johnson, kissed the Western Wall, loved his Jewish grandchildren, established an Opportunity and Revitalization Council to restore black neighborhoods, signed a major criminal reform bill, granted Alice Johnson clemency, loaned his personal jet to Nelson Mandela, declared Jerusalem the capital of Israel, and uh, over, overseen, he's overseen the lowest black unemployment rate in history. He denounced David Duke over 20 years ago and been given a Lifetime Achievement Award after paving a way for blacks to enter corporate America. I don't think Obama's done that much, do you think? I don't think so. Well, um, I've been thinking in Yuba-Sutter counties, you know, we were a couple of the leading counties of the 58 that said, you know, we need to open. We need to get open up here. But it really wasn't a move of some rebels. It was just kind of kissing up to the governor and saying, please, please, pretty please. And then we just went ahead and did it, and he got his he got his uh, nose out of joint. So my talks with cosmetologists today or this week and barbers is that the 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 uh, Newsom group down there in Sacramento is still harassing them. So I wrote an article for the Territorial Dispatch condemning occupational licenses and asking and, and declaring that we needed to end occupational licensing because it's just a way for the state to uh, govern businesses. It's not freedom. Freedom is your own business. You can do what you want with it. But in California, we have a socialist empire run by a guy named Gavin Newsom. He actually has made the legislature of no effect because he just ignores them. So, we have supervisors here. Some friends went over to an, an outdoor farmer's market that was on county property. And when they drove in to park, they were asked to put on a mask or they couldn't actually go. They're open air and they couldn't go in and buy or go over, not in, because it's out, out under the stars. They couldn't go over and buy their food. Interesting. You cannot buy food unless you put on a mask. That's what that is. That's an act of submission because the mask is actually hazardous to your health. There's nothing 
that the mask has nothing to do with the coronavirus. Zero. It all has to do with showing that you conform. It's an act of conformity. And so the people didn't stop and buy groceries. And at this point, you can buy groceries other place, other places where you don't have to wear a mask. But maybe they're going to change that and just force us into acts of submission. That's what it is, is an act of submission. It's an article here says a burning hatred. Athenian playwright Achilles says in war, truth is the first casualty. We have supervisors that claim we need them to govern the county. But the fact is we don't need them because all they do, they're just little prostitutes for the pimp down there in Sacramento. And they get paid really well to do it. And the fact is they just do what they're told. They say, oh, well, you were here to serve our constituents. That's bullshit. They're there to serve themselves and to make political points. They didn't even get a second opinion with attorneys or other doctors and shut down 2,000 businesses in Sutter County. And they did it in Yuba County. But I was thinking about the Sutter County guys. But both boards of supervisors, you'd think that they'd just say, why don't you all just open up and quit, put away the masks. Quit mandating that people have to put on some kind of clothing. Let people dress as they want. I just think, why don't you guys lead the county instead of like finding out what everybody else is doing and follow up afterwards? In war, truth is the first casualty. Truth. You have to wear a mask or you're going to die. Truth or false? False. I had a lady call me this week. She heard what I said, or she emailed me this week. She heard what I said on the podcast last week. That Tony Fauci. I made a comment that Tony Fauci, the lab mouse, said we didn't need to use masks at in other words, they weren't preventing any virus. It was just symbolic. She couldn't find it on YouTube. So I found it, and then I went and found Dr. Stephen Grundy, who is one of the, uh, or Gundry, is one of the top heart surgeons, or was one of the top heart surgeons in the United States. Uh, he's done over 10,000 surgeries, not a record. But now he helps people get healthy without having their chest cut open. Stephen Gundry said they actually did a double-blind study of surgeons who some wore masks, some didn't in the surgery room. They wore gloves. They all wore gloves and gowns. The ones that didn't wear masks had a lower infection rate than the ones who wore, wore masks. And he said the point is masks are mainly worn out of tradition. Because when they rub on your face because you're talking the whole time you're doing surgery, giving instructions, that the mask is actually moving against your skin, chafing it a bit, and, and causing flecks of skin to drop into the wound of the person you're operating on, which does give them an affection. So 
they really have proven, although tradition is hard to change, they've proven that wearing not wearing a mask in surgery is actually less dangerous than wearing a mask. Standing six feet apart is nonsense, and being healthy and hold up in your house is nonsense. There's no science about any of this. It's just a, a psychological operation. So this article says a progressive left is at war with America and in the leftist never ending quest for power by any means necessary. Truth has indeed become the first casualty. You've noticed that on the media. I told a lady today, she called me really discouraged. I said, first thing to do is turn your television off and don't turn it back on. Seek God, read your Bible, get some sun, eat some good food and get your, get your, your brain centered again, your spirit centered because truth has been a casualty. You cannot find truth on the, on the media and you need to follow the way that's the truth. You can't follow a lie and be, be well rather than presenting America with facts, media and academia, Hollywood virtue, virtue signaling, corporations and cowardly Democrat politicians abide the destruction of their own cities, hundreds of businesses, many owned by minorities and the rule of law itself. I'm going to be right back and then we'll, we'll get started again. I got a little off to a stumbly start here because I got these communications from Vietnam. We're doing a little project right in the middle of it over there and I need to address something. Hey guys, Pastor Tim here in Southwest Riverside County, California, and we are in an area where you can see the hospital behind me, hospitals around our Southwest Riverside County. The numbers of COVID patients has been going down. That is until the governor of the state, Gavin Newsom, made an order to import patients from Mexico. Let me just repeat that in case you, you thought you heard me wrong. That's right. Gavin Newsom, while our COVID numbers are going down in our hospitals, imported patients from Mexico. And not only did he import them from Mexico, but he's having them life flighted, which is costing an absorbent amount of your money, life flighting them to hospitals across Southwest Riverside County. And it begs so many questions. Number one is, why Southwest Riverside County? Well, maybe it's because uh, Riverside County has one of the best sheriffs in all of the state of California. Sheriff Chad Bianco has stood on the Constitution. He stood on common sense, and he has not enforced the governor's orders here in this county. Maybe it's because you got pastors who are opening their churches, even though Gavin Newsom says to keep them closed. So something is gone awry. Uh, you've got all sorts of new problems that have happened because of this. Uh, there's the idea of Spanish-speaking patients now. They, they don't know any English. And so they're having trouble right now. They don't have enough Spanish translators on staff. And then they have a dedicated phone line for translation. Well, they put that phone in with the patient. 
the phone's contaminated, now it has to stay in there, they've just lost one of their phones. So it's creating a whole new set of problems, and this just, it just reeks of politics. Um, Gavin Newsom is importing patients, and, and it begs the question, why now? What is going on when our numbers are going down? What is it that he's doing? Why is he creating this problem for the, the people here in Riverside County? When you've got staff that were excited that numbers were going down, that, that possibly they'd get back to normal, now we're importing a whole new influx of patients from a whole other country. You know, when, when people in another country are sick, you don't bring them into our nation. You send supplies there. You send personnel there to help them there. You don't bring the problem into our nation. So something's going on. On. Um, I, I think there's a lot that we need to look at right now as far as the elections coming up. What are the motives behind what Gavin Newsom's doing? I think he needs to come clean with the, the citizens of California. Let's talk about how people can protect themselves. Um, you know, I've got a lot of people here in London, from my team to my friends to my family, some in their 20s, some in their 30s, some in their 40s. My mom and my dad are in San Diego right now in their mid-70s. Um, what do you tell people of all different age groups on how they can protect themselves from the basics, masks, uh, hand sanitizers, and then even further into your specialty, which is boosting the immune system? Yeah, um, first of all, in, unless somebody uh, makes everybody wear masks, the surgical masks that I wear in the operating room does not protect against viral transmission. Uh, it's totally permeable to viruses. So it was designed to actually prevent bacteria from contaminating wounds. And Quite frankly, we can get into that someday. It doesn't do a very good job of that either. Right. You, you said that in one of your shows, you had said that they ran kind of a double blind study of people with, in England with, without the masks and without even the gowns, and they found no material increase in infection. Is that right of the patients? Yeah, somewhere? it was actually, yeah, they, they did not wear masks. Uh, they did wear gowns and gloves. But it turns out that the masks... Um, yeah, there was actually less infections in the group without the mask than with the mask. And the mask, we talk during operations, and it abrades our skin, and flakes of skin with bacteria drop into the wound. And without the mask, there's no abrasion of your face, and unless you actively you know, cough into the wound, then the mask... Uh, but. Tradition is tradition. Uh, we have to remember that before uh, Dr. Samuelweiss, uh, it was thought that surgeons and obstetricians should never wash their hands and never wash their lab coat and bloody hands and a bloody lab coat was a sign of a great doctor. And so traditions have a hard, they're hard to break. And Samuelweiss uh, actually was you know, just uh, vilified uh, as a charlatan in suggesting that we should change our practices, that perhaps uh, infection of women in childbirth was caused by the doctor. But so please, right now, you know, so many of my colleagues uh, are dependent on even just a surgical mask to give them some protection. And if everybody goes out and gets these surgical masks, there won't be, there won't be anything um, 
my company, Gundry MD, had just donated 5,000 M95 masks to some hard-hit hospitals in Los Angeles. But please, at the moment, don't, don't go buy these surgical masks. If you want to make a mask at home and it makes you feel better, uh, knock your socks off. But viruses will go right through it. Knock, knock, knocking on heaven's door. All right, so this article called A Burning Hatred goes on to say the fundamental transformation of the United States demands nothing less. Are there bad cops? Undoubtedly. In a nation of nearly 330 million people, there are bad apples in virtually every walk of life. Boy, I've seen some, and doesn't happen in, I've seen a lot more in some of the professions I've worked in, car business, (laughs) church, right? And since 9-11, one could argue that police forces have become unnecessarily militarized. Yet the notion that police forces are afflicted with institutionalized or systematic or systemic racism is a blatant lie. See, truth has become a casualty. The fact that the police forces are afflicted with institutional or systemic racism is a blatant lie. A nationwide study published last year assessed hundreds of police shootings since 2015. It revealed that 55% of all people fatally shot in America by the police are white. More than double the 27% of black and 19% of Hispanic individuals. In 2019, police officers fatally shot 1,004 people. Most of them were armed and or otherwise dangerous. Black Americans comprised approximately a quarter of that, of that total, amounting to about two, 235 people, a ratio that has remained stable since 2015. In other words, that same percentage has been following along for the last five years. What about the fact that black Americans are only 13% of the population? You've heard that, haven't you? Between 1980 and 2008, blacks committed 52% of all of the nation's homicides. Blacks did. They just, all people, they counted up all the people killing other people and found that 52%, even though blacks only just a small percentage of the population, 13%. That 13% committed 52%, more than half of all the nation's homicides. Now, those dudes like to kill people. That's what homicide is. You murder somebody. In 2018, the latest year of available data, black Americans still comprised 53% of the nation's known homicide offenders and committed approximately 60% of the nation's robberies. Is that shocking or what? It's one thing for the cops to just stop and harass somebody. But when somebody shoots somebody and gets arrested for it, or somebody goes in and doesn't like burgle a place but robs it while people are standing there, that's 60% of all the robberies. 
53% of all the homicides done by black people. Given those numbers, blacks being confronted by cops is going to happen more often than, than not. Can you see that? In other words, the cops are not going around looking for people that aren't doing anything wrong to arrest them. I've written a lot with cops over the years, thousands of hours, actually. And we always just look for people that were violating the law, driving drunk, climbing out of a building they shouldn't be in, shooting at somebody, stabbing somebody. We arrested those people. We didn't ask their ethnicity before we did it. So when you commit 53% of the nation's known homicides and 60% of the nation's robberies, you're going to have a lot of police interaction, aren't you? Now, no white person or Mexican or Asian told those black people to go do that. Now, as for unarmed people shot by cops, that's a big deal. They pick out an unarmed black guy and shoot him. Washington Post database reveals police fatality, uh, excuse me, police fatally shot nine unarmed blacks and 19 unarmed whites in 2019. That's actually down from 38 and 32, respectively, in 2015. In 2018, again, the last year of available data, there were 7,407 black homicide victims in the United States. A lot of of people, right? A lot of people dying. In reality, those most likely to kill blacks are other blacks. That's just what the facts are portray the fact is that the united states of america and each state keeps track of homicides killings all kinds of crimes and they actually keep track of the ethnicity of those that do that that's why you end up with all these statistics but when you get done the media won't tell this story because it looks bad for black people it does look bad for black people if it was flip-flopped and 53% of all the homicides are whites. I'd be feeling bad. I thought, what in the world are we doing out there killing people? According to 2018 FBI stats, black Americans are more than 11 times likelier to be murdered by members of their own ethnic group than whites or anybody else. These facts are rarely Disseminate. Remember I said the first casualty of war is the truth. We're, we're in a war. Maybe a bullet hasn't flown through the window of your house, but we're at war. If you want to just ignore it, ignore it at your own risk. These facts are rarely disseminated because they would be utterly inimical to a revolutionary left that senses its moment is at hand. The revolutionary left that undergirds that revolution with absurd no-bail-release policies 
that have come to fruition in New York City where those arrested for arson, grand larceny, resisting arrest, or vehicular assault were released immediately back to the streets, often within a few hours. In St. Louis, all 36 individuals arrested for rioting, looting, and arson were released with no charges at all. Now, we were down in Sacramento the other day. 32 people got arrested. Nothing got burned. Nothing got broken. All the litter was picked up. Nobody got spit on, cussed at. And they they got multiple charges. Isn't that interesting? You're protesting against the governor peacefully, and they have charges against him. These guys were just arrested and released. But but even this doesn't satisfy the leftist mind. You remember the word, we're fighting for blacks. Do you know how many credible black people were shot in those demonstrations? Killed? If I was, if I was fighting a white lives matter effort, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go around shooting white people. That doesn't make sense. That's why this thing isn't about racism. It's about class warfare and communist takeover. That's what this is about. And what is arguably the most blatant attempt to destroy our constitutional Republic, progressive politicians, celebrities, and ACLU, and the media now insist the only solution to non-existent institutional political racism is to defund the police departments altogether. Just like drop all the police. We'd just do without police. When you call 911, you would let, you know, the leaders will let you know no reason to call 911 anymore. We're not here. We're dismissed. So we know that fully funded but politically intimidated police forces do. A lady said to me today, what, why, is, why is the Yuba City Police Department linking up with Black Lives Matter and supporting them? And I said, well, I can't speak. I don't know what they're all thinking over there. Over there means across the river from where I am. But I assured her that the police have to protect peaceful demonstrations. And I assured her again that the police officers, and for the most part, are patriots. And they are not for this craziness that's going on in the country. I'm telling you, they aren't. So I don't want to read this too much. I'm just trying to. It's talking about here about Seattle. Some taking over blocks of Seattle. Just take took it over and burned it, burned it up. I thought, when are they going to get tired of living in those burnout buildings and want a nice clean set of sheets? It says here, are Americans ready to emulate Mexico where murderous drug cartels Call the shots. The truth is, all these people, the elected and the mob, take comfort in knowing that the police are there when they need them. 
when something happens to them, even the most violent trust fund Antifa mutant liberal will call for them. The great cause begins as a movement, becomes a business, and eventually degenerates into a racket, stated American philosopher Eric Hoffer. No other quote better describes the trajectory of the civil rights movement from the days of Martin Luther King's inspirational leadership to the rank hucksterism, currently demonstrated by the likes of Al Sharpton, Reggie Jackson, and a whole bunch of other people. Such demagoguery has tragic consequences in St. Louis. Retired black police captain David Dorn, 77 years of age, was shot and killed by looters. He was just standing trying to protect his friend's store. His death was was live-streamed on Facebook in Oakland, California. Black federal officer Patrick Underwood, 53, was murdered while attempting to keep the peace. Hundreds of other officers of every ethnicity have been injured, some quite seriously. Some quite seriously. I wonder what our supervisors are going to do about this. They have a a little health officer Normally, I don't even I put quotes around health because what she's telling us to do is unhealthy. You remember I told told you that it was the Alice in Wonderland where things are said the opposite of what they should be. It's a CIA technique. You can Google it and read about it all yourself very easily. Don't have to look up a book or buy a book. Just look it up on the Internet. We're paying Dr. Lou. $300,000 a year plus to give us very poor legal advice. In fact, I think she's probably immune from prosecution or a civil suit, but people should begin suing her because of what she said we had to do locally. Well, she doesn't make all the decisions. She, she can't just choose that on her own. Who, who else is there? Gavin Newsom. If I was on that board, I either board, either board of supervisors, she's a bi-county doctor for the jails. I would fire her at the next meeting. No questions asked. I don't care how good a job other than this she's doing. It's just a total loser person. And I'm shocked that she left Vietnam. Because that's what she's creating here. Another article called White Guilt. This is a quote. Guess who it said it? They're not protesting. They're not making a statement. They're stealing. When they burn down a building, they're committing arson. A handful of criminals... And thugs tore up the place. You know who said that? In 2015, that was President Barack Obama said the words as he addressed the Baltimore riots upon the death of Freddie Gray. Remember old Freddie? 
Freddy, Freddy, Freddy. Been getting arrested left and right, left and right, left and right. Got himself in that back of that van and must have committed suicide. White Guilt says in this article, instead, the red carpet is being rolled out for the looters and thieves as people of all colors under the flags of BLM and Antifa took advantage of these massive waves of white guilt. I just want to be completely clear. I don't have a, I don't know how small a measurement I can get. I don't have the weight of a hair's guilt in my heart towards any ethnic group. I actually like ethnic groups. But I refuse to embrace any of this baloney that White Lives Matter or Antifa is propagating. It's just baloney. And I'm not going to live my life by it. So I'm going to eat when I want to eat. I want to go travel when I want to travel. Of course, they can stop the airlines from flying, which they have. They could do things along those ways. But it's interesting. I could go out and riot with three or four or 5,000 people and break windows out, catch things on fire, throw rocks at police. That's not, that's not an offense. But going over and protesting reasonable changes and get the state open is is an offense that needs to be arrested. Now, I want you to think about that. I want you to think about it. You have to think. I was listening to a guy, I forget who it was on, I don't know, it was radio or podcast, and he was just talking, people need to get alone and think this whole thing through. Minority businesses are burning to the ground. Those burned businesses destroyed economic opportunity as people's lives savings turned to ashes. He said, we thought we were fighting for black people who lacked opportunity by way of systemic racism. Liberals and socialists feel so guilty that they they haul away merchandise while wearing AirPods and Apple Watches. Taking a knee against injustice in the brand new sneakers they stole, these looters freely indulge in the plight of black America for their own goals, recording it all on broad brand new iPhones. And then they're arrogant. Arrogance, these rioters post their footage on social media, flaunting it as a sort of badge of honor to make other white friends feel guilty and scared. In intimidation, these types demand that all of their white friends kneel and speak out on behalf of black people or else their silence equates to violence. The truth of the matter White guilt in 2020 has more to do with elitism than it does with actually helping black people.
kind of going to pick and choose a little bit here and not dig too deep on some of these things so I can get on to other things. It says here, to all American patriots who identify as white, do not fall for this charade. Stand up, but not just for yourself. Stand for Americans of all skin colors who likewise are fed up with the destruction and chaos. And when you do stand, keep your feet on the ground, never again to be swayed by the next divisive mainstream media attack aimed at bringing white America, no, all America, down. We'll be right back, and then we'll head into our third third segment, okay? All right. Edge Kelly table in the wilderness. <clears throat> I've been out here cutting logs. Uh, storm blowed a bunch of trees down, and we're trying to clean up around here and rebuild fence. And I got my old trusty <clears throat> John Deere tractor there pulling these logs out. And anyway, why I was looking at these gloves while ago, and I thought about all the workers across America today that are still driving their trucks, the guys that are still milking their cows, the guys that are still delivering bread, the guys that are still delivering the groceries. <clears throat> And the men who went to work and they're welding today and they're making cars and trucks and tractors and uh, the people that are making uh, the food processing plants and all the people in America that uh, are working today and they weren't out like a bunch of idiots last night and uh, tyrants and uh, anarchists trying to destroy this country. And I just want to say this, that I don't have one ounce of sympathy for your fake outrage. I have sympathy for the man that was killed up there and I think it was criminal as far as what I can see. But I'm also willing to wait till all the evidence is heard in the criminal court of law with all the facts and evidence presented on both sides. But I'm not willing to be coerced by some mob violence antifa bunch of punks. And I'll just tell you punk amphitheater something. You want to come down here in the country and try us, boys? You just come right on. You better, old boy said you better bring your hearse with you because you're probably not walking out. Now you listen to me. I'll put some stock into your fake outrage when I see you concerned about all the blacks that are killing blacks every week, every week in Chicago, Philadelphia, and all the Los Angeles, and New York, and all the other cities, you don't care about blacks killing blacks. What's your intent on doing is destroying this country, and you're trying to use racism to do it. You're sorry and low down, and you're wicked and evil. And we're going to defeat you. Mark it in your daybook. We're going to beat you. And uh, truth is going to triumph over false lies and deceit, and uh, all you CNN and MSNBC and NBC and, and half you guys on Fox and the rest of you, you, you're just a lying bunch of propaganda machines. You ain't no better than Joseph Goebbels was. But when I begin to see this people who are protesting, quote, <clears throat> who are really rioting and looting and stealing and murdering and destructive to other people's property, when I see you get concerned about babies in the wombs, of mothers in this country being butchered by their own mothers and doctors, when I see you want to get rid of pornography, when I want to see you d deal with sodomy, when I see you want to deal with the butcher of babies across this country and the murder of blacks and other, any, anybody, all humans are equal in value. And when I see you get outraged about anybody's murder and anybody's injustice, then I'll put just a little bit of confidence in your fake outrage. You make me sick and you make God sick because you're liars. And you're murderers, and you're anarchists, 
and you're against everything right, good, godly, and holy. Let me just tell you something. As long as sin is in this world, until Jesus Christ comes back, there's going to be inequities. There's going to be injustices. But you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to walk into a voting poll. I'm going to go there, drive, and I'm going to vote. And I'm going to express my opinion, but I'm not going to burn your house down. And I'm not going to shoot you unless you threaten me. And you act threatening toward me or my family, game's up. And you know what? I'm a softie compared to a lot of guys I know. I know a lot of guys, you light their fire, you're going to wish you had never come near them. This is Reg Kelly. Why don't you get quit your stupid fake outrage, acting like you care about that black man when you don't. No, you're just real selective about who you're outraged about, aren't you? Real selective. Real selective. You're a hypocrite. You're a hypocrite. And America knows it, and they see it. When I saw what China had to do to, to isolate such an enormous part of their population, my first thought was Africa. How in the world are they going to deal with this? I've been in townships all over Africa in slums. When we talk about in our country physical distancing and then hand washing, if you live in a slum, you can't physical distance. You have to go out and get your meal. You don't have clean water to wash your hands. And so as soon as I saw that, and we know from the foundation's work how quickly disease spreads, I thought, oh my gosh, we have a crisis on our hands that we aren't even talking about yet in the United States and what's going to happen to the rest of the world. That's how much worse it's going to be in the developing world. It's going to be horrible in the developing world. And part of the reason you're seeing the case numbers still don't look very bad is because they don't have access to very many tests. So, you know, look at Ecuador. Look at what's going on in Ecuador. They're putting bodies out on the street. You're going to see that in countries in Africa. It's a very difficult time for all of us. But one thing I can tell you is that this will pass. No matter what anybody says, no matter what anybody does, COVID-19 will pass, and our nation and our people shall rise again. One thing that was brought to my attention, and I don't often do this type of video, um, but one thing that was brought to my attention, which has caused me to say, look, I need to share just a very brief word with you is this. A lady by the name of Belinda Gates, the wife of Bill Gates, made a statement just yesterday saying that she sees dead bodies all over the streets of Africa. Now, I want to tell you this, that there's a spiritual principle involved here. When you say you see dead bodies all over the streets of Africa, you're actually projecting that, and it's a spiritual principle. When David met Goliath in the field, Goliath spoke about what he would do to David, that he would cut him up and feed his flesh to the birds. David responded by saying that, no, I will cut off your head with your own sword and I will defeat you. And then they went into physical battle. So for every physical battle, before you enter it, there's a spiritual pronouncement. That's why you have to pronounce things before you say or do anything or before you go forward. Now, she has made her pronouncement. We know what she wants to do. We know what her husband is doing. We know what their plan is concerning their magic vaccine, which is actually designed to cull the population of the world. And I will say this to Belinda Gates and to Bill Gates. The Bible says, who is he that saith a thing? And it cometh to pass, when the Lord God of hosts has commanded it not. 
It is not in the streets of Africa that you will see dead bodies. We reject it and we return it back to you and those that sent you. We are children of the living God. There is an invisible shield over our continent and over our nation, Nigeria. That shield is the shield that has been put forward by the watchers, by the generals in God's army, by the pastors, by the intercessors. And we shall continue to pray and you shall not prevail. third segment now and uh, I just ran across this article today and you know it's just fascinating there's so many interesting things go on but you can't stay up with everything so this guy wrote back in 2017 the end of 2017 said Margaret who wrote an article Margaret Sanger was a eugenicist Why are we still celebrating her? A eugenicist means someone that wants to take the life of a particular group of people. Could be genetic, you know, uh, not genetic, but a uh, particular ethnic group. It could be the poor, a variety of ethnic groups. Uh, But she believed, like Charles Darwin, the young 20-something that came up with the theory of evolution, that some, they called them instead of the human race, one race, they call them multiple races, and they said that the black race was sorely behind the other races and was just a step ahead of the chimpanzee. And they, so they were racist. And so in her effort to get birth control and abortions, her goal was to exterminate as many black people and other minorities as possible. So either they would get them by the abortion birth control thing, or they would even sterilize them. Now, when you see these riots, the majority of people in those riots today are white people. But they're exploiting people like Black Lives Matter to make it look like they have a righteous cause that somebody done somebody wrong because of the color of their skin. And the fact is, according to them, although it's not a fact is that this is institutionalized racism and it's worse than it ever has done. I, I find it fascinating because we've had so many top leaders in this country at this point, Barack Obama, Condoleezza Rice, Susan Susan Rice, Condoleezza Rice, Valerie Jarrett, the Attorney General, can't remember her name right now, Linda, was it Linda something, can't remember now, Colin Powell, head of the military, just lots of, lots of black uh, leadership. Tim Scott, senator. And yet, never have we had so many black millionaires and billionaires in the world. 
Never had we had so many in Congress and the Senate. We had eight years of a black president, and yet we have this terrible black problem. I didn't know this happened, but this uh, author, John Conley, he writes that in 2017, the black community called for the National Portrait Gallery. That's a part of the Smithsonian Institute to remove the bust of Margaret Sanger, but they refused. Black community asked something, the government refused. And the reason they asked Sanger about Sanger is that she targeted and has been the motivating force and passion behind killing a majority of the black kids that have been being carried by their moms. The blacks also have made calls to remove Charles Darwin's statue. That too was rejected. Now I thought we were removing all these statues that really we didn't need. And that looked bad on our history or at least bad on Antifa's history of America or Black Lives Matter. So I want to tell you a little bit about Margaret Sanger. And uh, she, if you hadn't heard, helped launch Planned Parenthood. She had a couple of husbands that she was unfaithful to both of them. She had a few kids, never was around for them. And uh, so John Connolly he argues that we need to remove these busts and and idols or memories of Margaret Sanger because she was racist. She said she was racist. It wasn't like we analyze her behavior. We look at her behavior, and we also look at what she said and did. So in, in the French world, when they removed something that was a significant political uh, importance, when they removed something, they call it a de-baptizing it. You know, not baptizing, but de-baptizing. You unbaptize it. So... There was a guy in, in France named Alexis Carroll. He'd been an ardent, that means a strong eugenist. In his book, Man, the, the Unknown, Carroll recommended the use of gas chambers to deal with criminals and the insane. Now, I want you to think about uh, what they're doing in the name of creating a vaccine that if you refuse to take it, you your kids probably won't be able to go to school. You may not be able to travel freely. Uh, and maybe you would have to even go into a red, re, re-education camp. So in The Man of the un- Unknown, Man the Unknown, 1935, Carell recommended the use of gas chambers to deal with criminals and the insane. In 1936, Preface to the German edition, he praised the new National Socialist government's eugenic policy of forced sterilization. 
The French government quickly debaptized Alexis Carroll U- University and rebaptized it in the name of T.H. Lenek, the uncontroversial inventor of the stethoscope. So the French, if they want to do you right, righteous, they baptize something in your name. If they, if they don't like you anymore, they debaptize, not unbaptize. So, in the United States, work of debaptism, Calhoun Hall at Yale has been renamed because they say Calhoun was a racist, had slaves maybe. A senator and vice president to Cal- Calhoun was an ardent defender of slavery and white supremacy. Georgetown recently removed the names of Thomas Mullody and William McSherry from campus buildings since both Jesuits had been prominent in the role in the sale of slaves to distant southern plantations in 1838. Sanger argued for compulsory sterilization and segregation for people with disabilities. As we purify our national memory, I would like to nominate my own candidate for deep baptism. And this author says, I would like to debaptize or remove Sanger Square in Manhattan, New York. And she said, I, I'm, I want to, uh, I want to, uh, sorry, Sanger, who lived between 1879 and 1966, was the founder of the Birth Control League, the future Planned Parenthood. That was the first name. The, scare, the square honors an improbable feminist icon who championed a corrosive brand of eugenics. In other words, Force. Sanger's eugenics creed is clearly stated in her book. The the, the cool thing today is that these people have written so much and talked so much on media that there's records of everything they want to do. So what Mitt Romney and a lot of these rhinos want to just join up with Gates and vaccinate everybody in the world and then cause you that don't want to get a vaccination to uh, suffer the consequences. And if you get sick, then if you get die, that's okay too, because they want to reduce the population of the world by about 5.8 million billion. You don't, you think I'm kidding? 5.8 billion. They want to get down to about a little over a million people. And that's, Good enough for them. People like them, they want to keep around. Minorities, troubled people, drug addicts, difficult people, you're done. So in her book in 1932, My Way to Peace, the centerpiece of the program is vigorous state use of compulsory sterilization and segregation. That's what we're going to go to to here with 
vaccines, and they'll have some sterilization factors in them. The first class of persons targeted for sterilization is made up of people with mental and physical disabilities. The first step would be to control the intake and output on morons, mental defectives, epileptics. A much larger larger class of undesirables would be forced to choose either sterilization or placement in state work camps. The second step would be to take an inventory of the second group, such as illiterates, paupers, unemployables, criminals, prostitutes, dope fiends. Classify them in special departments under government medical protection and segregate them on farms and open spaces. Those segregated in these camps could return to mainstream society if they un underwent sterilization and demonstrated. Demonstrated good behavior. Sanger estimates that 15 to 20 million Americans would be targeted in this regime of forced sterilization and concentration camps. In Sanger, Margaret Sanger, the humanitarian dream of a world without poverty and illness has deteriorated into a corrosive world where the poor, disabled, and addicted simply disappear. That's what happens in China today. China has replicated what she's been doing. She's dead now. Sanger represents a genteel prejudice shared by many members of the American ruling class. Sanger's eugenics project carried its own racial preoccupation. In a letter, December 10, 1939, to Clarence Gamble, she... <clears throat> explains the nature of her organization's outreach to the African-American community. She says, the most successful educational approach to the Negro is through a religious appeal. We don't want the word to get out that we want to exterminate the Negro population, and the minister is the man who can straighten out that idea if it ever occurs to any of them, their more rebellious members. In her autobiography, she proudly recounts her address to the women of the Ku Klux Klan in Silver Lake, New Jersey, in 1926. So this guy wants to debaptize Sanger Square. He said, I propose a new baptismal name, that of Carrie Buck, 1878-1966, the Virginia woman whose fate as a sterilization victim was sealed by the 1927 court decision. The state of Virginia, this is how evil court systems can become. The state of Virginia had condemned Buck as feeble-minded, as incorrigible, and as sexually promiscuous. She was, in fact, a C pupil, 
only mildly mildly disruptive in class, and the child she bore out of wedlock was a result of being raped by the nephew of her foster parents. For all our current efforts to face the destructive biases in our history, we find it difficult to admit, let alone condemn, our long-standing hostility toward people with disabilities and to confront those elites who have fostered that contempt. Our cult of Margaret Sanger is a sign of that enduring refusal. Margaret Sanger also said in another book, What Every Girl Should Know. She references popular opinion, opinion that Aboriginal Australians were the lowest, quote, the lowest known species of human family, just a step higher than the chimpanzee in brain development. See any similarities to to today? Don't think we're ever going to be able to go outside. Don't think we're ever going to be able to go to a large dance or large event, concert, play. Doubt that that's ever going to happen. Can't buy a gun in some places. Got to wear a mask. Social distance. You got to stop. You got to stand in line where there's dots or crosses on the floor, X's on the floor. Does that sound strange to you? Sounds really strange to me. Sounds strange and wrong to me. Have you ever thought about occupational licensing? You know, back in the day, you just started asking around, asking whoever was working, if there was any extra employee jobs there, you know, employment there. And you could usually get a lead and go to work. Well, then the union came along. And then people that were already doing a particular business, they would contact our legislature and they would want to cut down the competition out there. Let's just say you're an upholstery worker. You do the upholstery on chairs and couches and things, but you don't like the competition. New people come in the business. You're a veteran, you're a journeyman. So what you do now is you get a lobbyist, pay a lobbyist to influence some senators, assemblymen in your state to set up rules and regulations how an upholstery worker has to have so many hundreds and hundreds of hours or thousands of training and then go buy a permit from the government in order to go to work. They won't just trust the average buyer and the upholstery company to to do a legit deal. So since the beginning of our experiment here on this soil, people have been trying to license businesses. 
and it's a form of control. It makes a lot of money and enforces a lot of dictatorial laws, but it's just a big loser deal. It keeps people out of the workforce, and it causes abnormally high prices because there's not enough competition. So we're going to take a break here, and it will... shot in the last week. At least three have been killed. One is on life support. Thousands of others assaulted, harassed, and demonized. You don't know their names. You wouldn't recognize their faces. And you almost certainly won't post a box or a hashtag in their honor or memory, but they are mothers, fathers, brothers, sisters, husbands, and wives. They stand in the gap for you, for me, for those who hate them and don't care about their lives simply because they wear that badge. They are the thin blue line, and these are my final thoughts dedicated to them. Dave Patrick Underwood, David Dorn, and Shay McAlonis. Do their names sound familiar? Probably not, and understandably so, because they've received scant media coverage and zero protests or riots have been ignited in their name. One is currently fighting for his life, and the other two have paid the ultimate price as a result of the madness, chaos, lawlessness, and despicable behavior that's consumed our nation over the last five days. And just last night, we added another name to the list. Moody, Alabama Sergeant Stephen Williams. He was shot dead last night, responding to a disturbance call from a Motel 8. Not only was he a 23-year veteran of law enforcement, but also part of the organization Humanizing the Badge, which is dedicated to bettering police and community relationships. He was a hero, a good cop, a good man. He gave his life, protecting and serving, and he's not the only one. Dave Patrick Underwood, 53, was a federal officer. He was gunned down, shot, and killed providing security at the U.S. courthouse in Oakland. Yes, he was an innocent black man who was gunned down and killed for no reason, but there was no significant national outrage or outcry following his death. Why? David Dorn, 77, was a retired St. Louis police captain. He was shot and killed outside of a looted pawn shop. He was killed trying to stop the looting of that pawn shop. Yes, he was an innocent black man who was gunned down and killed for no reason. But again, there was no significant national outrage or outcry following his death. Why? Shane McAlone is 29 is in critical condition after he was shot execution style in the back of the head while arresting a protester in Las Vegas Monday night. All three of these brave men were senselessly attacked. For what? In the name of justice for George Floyd? No, that cannot be the case. To those in the movement, is this the justice you're looking for? A nationwide war on cops? Because the writing is on the wall. After all the stores have been looted, all the windows smashed, what will the protesters, looters, and rioters turn to next? Well, I can tell you, because sadly we've seen it just four years ago. Not even four years ago, on July 7th, 2016, five officers were ambushed and shot to death in the Dallas massacre during a BLM protest, wherein the shooter set out to kill white cops to avenge the death of Alton Sterling. Then just after that, on July 17th in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, six officers were shot, three fatally. One of them was, again, an innocent black man, but the BLM movement did not activate on his behalf. Did his life of service and sacrifice not matter? 
This is what happens when anger and hatred overcome reason and logic. That is what happens when you blame all officers for the actions of a few bad apples. You get a war on cops. This is not justice. This is not equality. This is not acceptable, decent, or in any way, shape, or form the answer to any injustice, racial or otherwise. Though it might not score social media points to honor, defend, and support our police officers, I will do it proudly. I will do it proudly because the thin blue line represents the hundreds of thousands of men and women of all races who stand in the gap and put their lives on the line each and every single day for humans of every color, including those who hate them. The thin blue line represents the hundreds of thousands of officers who are out in the streets protecting businesses, property, and even protesters, even as rocks, bricks, and even bullets come their way. They can't say anything. They have to stand there and take it. They don't get a social media trend or a box. They get overtime, hate, insults, assaults, and violence over an act they didn't commit. They will be out there protecting you whether you hate them or not. Just like you, they are disgusted by the actions of the bad apples in the law enforcement field. Just like you, they want to do their jobs and come home to their families each night. Please remember that as you jump on the bandwagon to demonize them. Those are my final thoughts from Nashville. God bless and take care. Or do you think we're just poking holes at government to be poking holes at government? It's a way to hold people hostage. In other words, you can't work here. Freedom is where you can just go get a job or you create a job. You go do a, you offer a person a service. I used to teach a class for parole, California Department of Corrections here locally in Yuba Sutter area. And um, the class was how to survive in the community once you get out of prison. Survival skills, not out in the wilderness, right down in the city. So what I used to tell them is to go door to door and just ask people if they had any odd jobs, like <clears throat> kind of wash your windows. Because a lot of them, they couldn't get jobs. They were tatted up. They had a terrible record. So I just said, go door to door present yourself nicely and offer to do odd jobs like cleaning out the gutters, washing the windows, mowing the lawn, weeding. 
cleaning out, sorting out stuff out of the garage, garbage, you know, hauling garbage, that kind of thing. In other words, just skip over this formal work thing. So what the government has done is more and more and more and more, they keep adding licenses. So you can't work in this state unless you get licensed. Did you know that lots of people coming here from foreign countries who, although they, they have a skill in a particular skill that we have, skill set, they can't get a license here unless they go through all the training all over, pretty much. Or they have to pass all these particular tests. What do you think all that's about? You think, oh, it's about, you say it's about protecting the health and welfare of the populace. It's about keeping us from getting ripped off. You know, I have gotten, I've done business all over over the world. And uh, we bought construction materials and done construction projects in other countries. I've gotten haircuts in numbers of countries. And I have never asked a person for their license or a certificate that they were competent. We hired a couple block layers down in the Otay Mesa site of Tijuana. Back in 1987, we were building doubling the size of an orphanage for teenagers down there. And we had all the trades with us from the United States, but we did not have a block layer. I couldn't get a block layer to go with this. So we thought, well, let's just hire somebody down there. So we put the word out and hired a couple of guys and they showed up to work. And um, we didn't ask for a license. We didn't ask for what their skill set was. In other words, who could verify that they were a good block layer. We just watched them. Could they lay a straight line of block? And have a did they have a plumb line? Did they, so the guys walked up. They had a cowboy hat, a little bit to eat, and a bag. And they had a trowel in the back pocket and a rock with a string, which was their plumb line. We didn't go to the government to get a permission for them to work. I want you to consider this fact that in the early 1950s, according to labor economist Morris Kleiner, professor at University of Minnesota's Humphrey School of Public Affairs, and another guy named Alan Kruger. So we got Kleiner and Kruger. Kruger, before his death, was a professor at Princeton. And they came to this conclusion that less than 5% of the U.S. workforce was in occupations covered by licensing laws in the, at the state level. Now, here's the interesting thing. Lots of states, well, all the states have some things they license, and then a whole, things, whole bunch of things that they do not license consistently among themselves. And then if you leave California and you're licensed here to do something, you can't just go get a license in another state. So what that does is restrict people from picking up and moving from one state to another because they just can't seem to go get a job right away because they got to pay the government and take a bunch of tests. Less than 5%. By 2000... They found that the number had risen, the number of licensed occupation, number of people working in licensed occupations had risen 
It's interesting. The old days, you know, you'd say, oh, well, there's lots of charlatans and shysters and stuff. So these two economists said, if licensing were important to rein in shysters, Americans must have been at much greater risk in the 1950s. And the decade or so after that, than we are today. The question is, were they? The whole history of occupational licensing does not match up with the view that its main purpose was to rein in low-quality practitioners and assure quality for consumers. Consider three facts. First, when licensing is introduced, it typically grandfathers in the current practitioners. Now, that, that's not right. You let every all the... All the current practitioners in for no qualifications? You're letting all the shysters in? The ne'er-do-wells, the good-for-nothings? If shysters and low quality for consumers were the problem leading to licensing, one would expect that licensing would be used to exclude them from the occupation. Second, if quality assurance were so important, was such an important factor on licensing, there'd be a fairly tight connection between what one studies to get the license and what one uses in practicing the actual occupation. But the connection is pretty loose between the training and the licensing. Now, let me give you an example. There's some crazy examples out there. Just total government scams. Talk about hair braiding. Now, I'm not talking about fancy stuff with chemicals and all that stuff. I'm just talking about taking hair and braiding it into a straight line. Hair braiding came to the United States from West Africa and is particularly popular among black women in the United States. The process involves zero use of chemicals, yet in 16 states of the union, hair braiders must get a cosmetology license if they want to legally do hair braiding for pay. And what do you think one of the main things you have to learn to get a cosmetology license? Well, the proper use of chemicals. Even though on hair braiding, you don't use not one chemical. But you have to study all these chemicals to get yourself a hair braiding license and give somebody thousands of dollars to teach you. Angela Erickson wrote in Barriers to Braiding, a 2016 study of the Insti- for the Institute of Justice, she notes that hair braiders in these 16 states must train for between 1,000 and 2,100 hours and must spend thousands of dollars in tuition. That ridiculous, and California is the worst of all fifty states. We probably have over two hundred occupations licensed right here in the state of California. To put those hours in perspective, the sky writes a standard forty-hour work week year for the whole year with two weeks vacation adds up to two thousand hours a year. So if you work forty hours a week, you take a couple weeks off for vacation. You're going to put in a couple thousand hours. 
Now, they're requiring a gal that doesn't use any other products. She just braids hair. They're requiring her to take between 1,000 and 2,100 hours. That's, if it's a top end, that's a year's worth of schooling. The good news is that the Institute for Justice has won some victories against the licensing requirements. In California, for example, the organization sued against the state's cosmetology laws for hair braiding in 1997, and a federal court struck down the requirements in 99. The Institute for Justice had similar victories in other states as well. Isn't it sad that you have to go before a judge that there's no reasonable people in the Congress or the Senate and Assembly that they're going to make someone go to school for 2,000 hours to just braid hair? The third reason he gives for the foolishness of licensing Uh, that consumers were the ones who pushed for the licensing. Said the third reason for doubting the consumer protection rationale is that if that were the driving force, one would expect at least occasionally the consumers were the ones who pushed for it. In other words, if it's going to protect the consumers, wouldn't you hear the consumers complain, complain, complain? Yet even though over and over 800 occupations are currently licensed in at least one state in the union. I know of no example where consumers were the driving force. Were consumers really that concerned about unlicensed fortune tellers in Annapolis, Maryland? Unlicensed manure applicators in Iowa? Or interior designers in many of the states of the union? In every case, I know of people, he says, who initiated the licensing were practitioners of the licensed occupation, not the consumers. Of course, a practitioner stood to gain from restricting competition. It talked about it here after Hurricane Katrina, Jeb Bush, the governor there at one time, dropped a lot of the requirements for contractors right after the Katrina because they needed to get things built. But that's exactly the time when people try to rip people off. But nonetheless, it's interesting that when times are treacherous and difficult, the rules are relaxed to allow people to get stuff done and people can pay them what they want. Question is, why then do so many state governments impose licensing in so many occupations? Early in, in his career, Milton Friedman, the fam- famous economist, argued that it was to the reason all this licensing was happened was to restrict competition. And much later, working with better data than Friedman's, Morris Kleiner and Alan Kruger found that licensing is associated with about a 14% higher wage <clears throat> in other words if you can keep new people from coming into your trade it keeps competition down 
So it so it's saving them. It's it's allowing them to make about fourteen percent more money by keeping people having to get a license. So he said, let's do a little uh, figure, a little uh, uh, calculation on the back of an envelope. Assume that 14% higher wages of licensed workers are due to 10% fewer workers in the licensed occupations, because that's what happens. You have less workers, and they pay them more money. This implies, incidentally, that in economics jargon, the elasticity of demand for their services is only about 0.7%. If it was more elastic, then the 10% figure is an underestimate. As noted earlier, at least 20% of workers are in licensed occupation. The number of people employed currently is about 156 million. So over 31.2 million of them are in licensed occupation. That means that over 3.4 million people would have been employed in those occupations, but due to licensings, are not. So those people are making less income than otherwise. And most are probably in the lower half of the income distribution. So this is having the same bad consequence as the minimum wage. The minimum wage keeps unskilled people out of the workforce. Why not let the the wage earner and the owner make their own deal on wages. And if the owner is willing to hire two or three people at less than minimum wage, and some guys or gals want to do that, isn't that freedom to just let them do that? Or do you have to let the government manage everything? The government's going to manage, tell you what health insurance to have. The government's going to tell you what time you can open and how long you can stay open without charging overtime. The government's going to tell you how much to charge your people, how much overtime you have to pay, your double time, triple time. It's just a ripoff, just a complete ripoff. So Randy Mitchell at the Uppercuts, he told the Cosmetology Board, the Board of Barbering and Cosmetology, that he wasn't planning on coming back and doing business with them that they can keep their license, that he was going to keep his barber shop, and he was going to uh, continue his work. The same with Mercedes Brockman in Beyond Appearance down here in Marysville. She did the same thing. Though a lot of her her stylists individually freaked out and left because they didn't want to get in trouble. That's what ended up happening. She stayed in business, and she's busy, but she doesn't have as many stylists as she used to. The state screwed up her her businesses. The county, the city screwed up her businesses. So, well, let me take a a break here. I'm going to, we got a couple minutes left. I want to mention some of the sponsors that make this show happen for me and for us. And one is Marty Monty Hecker with Elite Universal Security at seven four nine zero two eight zero. 
<clears throat> That's a 530 area code, 530-749-0280. He's located at 5548 Federer Boulevard. Why would I tell you that? Well, just south of Marysville. And he's looking for workers. And you could go meet him out there or you go get an application. Maybe you can fill it out online. He's got a website at api-academy.com, api-academy. You can take classes out there, his place on how to be a guard, security guard. Uh, You can get certified on your range work and gun work through them. And actually, he'll put you to work anywhere up through Northern California all the way into Oregon, down below Sacramento. He's got lots of work. They They said, Lou, we just need good employees, people that are honest, people that show up on the job. Elite Universal Security, 5548 Feather River Boulevard, and 530-749-0280. So, there's no excuse if you don't have a job today. You could go get one if you wanted. You could go get it if you wanted. Um, Also, I want to mention Dave Greenitz, Greenitz Construction, and you could go to greenitzconstruction.com or Dave Greenitz Construction Facebook page. His number is 530-682-9602. Either of those media pages, greenitzconstruction.com or Dave Greenitz Construction on the Facebook. If you want to remodel your kitchen or bath or your front entryway or just do something, upgrade the house, put on a deck. Put in a whole house fan to cool the place down. Uh, you're not going to find a better contractor in the North State. And I know because I know them personally. And I've used them numerous times. And I've worked with them on projects, volunteer projects. They do the best work in the area. They got some of the best subs. They're just on it. So give them a shout and go get some work done by them. And you'll help them. You'll help yourself. And you'll help me, maybe. So we'll be right back. I do what I can, when I can, while I can for my people. While the clouds roll back and the stars fill the night. That's when I'm going to stand up, take my people with me. Together we are going to a brand new home far across the world. as you say, without Donald Trump, you're going to have to stop. The media has a bigger voice than Donald Trump. You're going to have to stop the division that comes. They pull uh, Sharpton out of the the freaking mothballs to come and and invoke his hate. You're going to have to stop these race baiters. You're going to stop these haters. And you have to stop joining with them and giving them power. This American civil society, as he calls it, is being inundated every single minute of every single day with this trash from the mainstream media. And Fox News is no better at it. They just try to take it from a different side of the same tree. And until we, okay, until we 
not Donald Trump's fault until we stop being manipulated like a bunch of brainless automatons and start working together as people. I will tell you, look, I have written this before. You guys know JC and Colton and I and, and interns have traveled all across America now for 11 years. We have been in your towns. We have been in your cities. We have driven down your back roads. We have, we have, we have ridden your public transportations. The division you see in the mainstream media. You know what, JC? You have all these anti-capitalists talking about 1% this, 1% that. The division and the dividers that you see in mainstream media is another form of 1%. Right. The haters, the dividers, the racists, whether what color their skin is. And yes, if you have brown skin, you can be racist too. And these people, these racist people, regardless of their socioeconomic background, regardless of their heritage, regardless of their skin color, is another form of 1%. And I will tell you that from experience because we've been across this country and we've talked to these people. We've talked to Americans. We've met with Americans. We've spent time with Americans. I have been in several instances of crisis, you know, car broke down, something wrong, no hotel, airplane, car, whatever. And people, JC, regardless of skin color, regardless of economic, uh, economic, what am I trying to, socioeconomic background, have jumped up and helped us. The 99% of America is not what you see on the news. Right. The 99% of America is not what Mattis describes. 99% of America is not divided. Seriously, if I had a survey that was completed in a geographic area and the number of the participants of the survey were the total number of people who engaged in these lootings, it wouldn't even be 1% of the, of, of, the, of the geographic area. And yet they promote this stuff and Mattis is now guilty of it himself. They promote this as if this is the majority of America. And my heart weeps for these people. My heart breaks for the American population because the rest of the world sees this and thinks this is who we are. This is not who we are. We are not people who hate each other. We are people who help each other. For Pete's sakes, JC, we are the most philanthropic country on the planet. We go out of our way. Private citizens abandon their lives in America to go help people in need in other countries. This family, this family has not only traveled and sacrificed 10 years of a normal family life. Our son has been raised in hotels and airplanes and rental cars because of what we love and because of what we believe in. But we also spent four years in the foreign field as missionaries to help people. We are America. We represent the majority of the people. 
And shame on you, Mattis. And shame on you, CNN. And shame on you, Fox News, for spending all your time and all your resources spreading a voice of division that represents less than 1% of the American population. Shame on you. I totally did not mean, did not design this show to go this way, but I am just... I'm mad as hell, and I'm simply, I, I don't know how to be louder in what I'm saying. I don't know how to get this message out any further than we are. But it's about time we get sick and tired. And I want to see people protesting CNN. I want to see people protesting Fox News. I want to see people who are protesting this narrative. Because you know what happens? You know where this goes now, JC. Because everybody's ticked off. Oh, the president's calling out the military. And Attorney Barr is sending out unmarked military troops in our streets. Did you see that? Okay. You made this, CNN. You made this, Fox News. You made this, Mattis. You made this. Because you have people believing in their homes that they are in fear and they need military troops in their streets because less than 1% of the population is getting 99.9% of the media. Yeah, you can catch it when you're at the grocery store. You can catch it off the handle of a door.
telling you about the plumbing doctor i've got them over here working on my plumbing and uh, they're doing a great job for me i got some problems in my wall it's leaking not in my wall but it's leaking and i got to get the water stopped because it wastes money over here so they're doing a job for me if you need them you can uh, you can get them by calling 530-671-9111 very simple and uh, they will come and fix your problem. They got a whole bunch of guys working for them, a bunch of trucks, and they will take care of business for you. So uh, I was mentioning the other day that uh, was somebody was telling me that Black Lives Matter w- was coming up into this area and asked me if I was going to do anything about that or be involved with that or all those kind of things. If I knew about that, I said, well, I hadn't heard about that. But people have a right to be involved in all kinds of stuff in the United States, whether I like it or not, right? It's the it's the liberals that are intolerant, not the uh, not the conservatives, not the conservatives. And I said, I hope they don't. Black Lives Matter don't get to thinking that people's lack of activity is because they're passive. I said it's probably just because they're law-abiding, and if they push them far enough, we're going to be sending a lot of those boys home uh, under someone else's power. And so Black Lives Matter, it, it's an ungodly concept because no particular life matters. All lives matter. All lives matter. And that's the way it's always been. And I'm not taking responsibility for anything that happened a couple hundred years ago I had nothing to do with. I'm not taking any responsibility, particularly when I know. And even if I knew one of my forefathers several generations back did something, I don't know whether I'd do anything about it anyway. Just being honest with you. But my people didn't even come to the United States people were immigrants out of Germany and they didn't even get in on that slavery deal didn't have anything to do with it and the family I was raised in never did bring up about one person's life mattering more than another person's life or an ethnic group so to me screw those people I don't care what they say and I don't care what the politician says. The bottom line is I'll do what I'm going to do. And uh, and I'll answer to God myself. I won't answer to the president. I won't answer to the government or the police. 
So if the white lives matter or the black lives matter people want to come up here and do something and mix it up, uh, we'll see how that's going to work out. But I'm certainly not going to let them just run up and down my block and throw a bunch of Molotov cocktails and bust the place all up. That ain't going to work for me. It's not going to work. I'm just, I'm old enough where I don't really care whether they put me in jail or not. I don't really care what happens to me. Knock me out, knock me into the universe, knock me into heaven, make me move in with Jesus. I don't really care. I'm okay. Any of those options, you know, a lot of options are good for me nowadays. So, uh, bullies are really insecure people. And once that you lay into them, uh, they don't want to mess with you anymore. That's just the way that works. And so my, my suggestion to you is to prepare yourself for the future. And that means if you don't have a gun, ladies, if you're single, get yourself like a shotgun or something, something that's easy to hit somebody with. Or a taser or some spray if you don't can't afford a shotgun. Or you could even get wasp spray. Just get something funky that can spray into the face of somebody. Or a, a baseball bat you can handle. But people need to get their guns out and load them up and grease them up and make sure they're firing. And so you can take care of business. Right? So you can take care of business. And that's what they did up in Coeur d'Alene. I have some friends that live up in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, and they heard the Black Lives Matter were coming, and all kinds of hundreds of people showed up with their automatic weapons and just stood up and down the street and just waiting for them to start, and they were just going let to let it all happen. But I guess some people showed up up there and just kind of peacefully protested and then left town. So, you know, when you hear this stuff like, well, they want the police to be defunded. I want to ask you something. I want you to think about something. What if the supervisors and city council disappeared tomorrow? Do you think your life would go to hell in a handbasket, as they say, or fall apart? It wouldn't. They're not running these counties. The bureaucrats are. So if the city council is not making decisions to protect you, if the supervisors are not making decisions to protect you and your property and and your business, they are not essential. They are not needed. We don't need them. What we needed a county and a city for was protect us against just what we got going on right now. We needed police and fire so your place doesn't burn down and so your place doesn't get stolen. You don't get assaulted. But if the city is not going to allow, like up in Seattle, somebody told me that they just stood back and let people take over the city and destroy it. Well, to me, there's no reason having 
city government then. Just let everybody see who's the last person standing. Everybody, like, clean up their guns and get with it and see who the last person standing is. There's no no need to have city council. If, if the city council is going to stand down, if that's their decision, I'm not going to stand down. I'm not going to follow a, a, a pussy city council or supervisors. We've been trying to get the two sheriffs here to stand up, be constitutional sheriffs, and just stop this nonsense of forcing people to wear masks to go buy a sandwich or go into a restaurant or go go buy food in an outdoor market. And they just won't do it. I don't understand it. I understand crazy people, power-hungry people that have millions and millions of dollars that want to play around with human beings like white mice in a lab. I get that. There's some twisted folks out there, and they're not doing heroin. These people are drinking expensive liquor and wines and have hundreds of millions of dollars, and they want to tinker with society and kill off people by giving them a vaccine and do stupid stuff like that. But I don't see any sense. What you're seeing right now in a lot of areas is you're seeing the real effectiveness or efficacy of the political class in this in this country and the church the church just totally folded if you didn't if you missed that or not i don't know whether you did but they just totally folded and the political class actually it's an embarrassment. They're shameful. They, they're going through the motions like they got something under control, and they actually got nothing going for them. If, if literally they died tomorrow as a group, the county wouldn't hurt, hurt, suffer at all. Not at all. People would go to work, gas up, go build the house, go fix the plumbing, go make a sandwich. Make a cup of coffee for somebody. Life would go right on, because they are not. What were they? What's what was their whole point? They took an oath to defend the Constitution. Are they defending the Constitution? They are not. Are the police and sheriffs defending the Constitution? That remains to be seen. That remains to be seen. Are they are they arresting people? Yeah, they're arresting people, but the, the the oath said they're supposed to defend the Constitution from all enemies, foreign and domestic. Domestic is what they got going on in Seattle. And they're just they're not defending it. They're saying we don't follow the Constitution anymore. And and so this lady said to me, Why why isn't the police just are they like do they like Black Lives Matter? I said, Well, their job is to defend the right of protest according to the Constitution. And as long as they're behaving themselves, we may not like what they're complaining about, but that's not up to us. Now, if they get out of line and want to rain hell on people, then it's up to us. But if the police don't want to get involved, I mean, that's what we usually had police for. But if they're going to stand down, then it's time for us to stand up. That's just the way that is. 
Now you have to decide if you're going to like, if you're going to be a, a player in this game, or you're going to sit in the stands. Because I'm, I'll tell you, if you're going to sit in the stands, you're going to get roughed up, big time. I was just talking to a principal, former principal of the Mary Kovalod today, and uh, he's just blowing away that the, that the kids are not in class. His kids are not in class. They're just at home. They're not learning anything. People are smoking weed. You know, you'd smoke. I'll tell you, you give me weed all day. I, I don't, I wouldn't get not, I wouldn't get any work done. If I smoked a blunt during the day and I had kids and I was supposed to be teaching them, you think they'd be getting taught? No way. I'd be sitting out in the back with some iced tea, kicking back, listening to some good music. Those kids need to be in school. No matter what you think of the public school system, at, at Eshman's school at Mary Kovalod, he was doing a great job for the kids. But honestly, I don't know what they're paying these teachers for what? 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 For what? Sending packets home with kids? You kidding me? Forget that. Like I told Doug Eshman today, I just said, I think it's a great time for parents to just say, I'm done with the public school. I'm just going to educate my kids at home. It's crazy what's going on here. But we we do not have politicians that are taking care of the family business. What are they supposed to do, the, the Board of Supervisors? What is their job? I'm living in Yuba County. Their decisions are not helping me at all. Their decisions are not helping my business friends at all that are still being forced to play games with masks and nonsense. Until they fire that official they call a health official, that gal literally is causing people to be sick. Causing people to be sick. I wanted to tell you about an interesting article. This is interesting. I was talking about rights of uh, labor, you know, people, the government charging you to work. When the government takes away your rights to do something and then sells it back to you. (laughs) I mean, I love these memes where people just are able to explain things so simply. Licensing, occupational licensing. When the government takes away your right to do something and then sells it right back to you. Unbelievable. Let me, let me give you a few more examples. I'm going to talk to you about Hitler's brown shirts. If you want a de- to help a deaf person, D-E-A-F, deaf, to communicate in Wisconsin, you have to get a permission from the state government first. Wisconsin is one of a handful of states to require a license for sign language interpreters. 
And the state also issues license for interior designers, bartenders, and dietitians, despite no clear evidence that any of those professions constitute a risk to public health in any of the states, any other states, without similar licensing rules. It's hard to imagine any health or safety benefits in mandating licenses for sign language interpreters, which is one of eight languages licenses highlighted in a new report from Wisconsin Institute of Law and Liberty. Since 1996, the number of licenses, licensed professions in the Badger state has grown from 90 to 166, an increase of 84%. Licensing cost Wisconsin more than 30,000 jobs over the last 20 years and adds an additional $1.9 billion annually in consumer costs. Licensing, it's a lose, lose, lose situation. The leaders in Arizona, including their governor, is signing legislation to reduce licenses, but also to accept licenses from other states if they're in good standing. And the reason to do it, they're very smart. They want people to move to Arizona. And many people don't want to move if they've got a, a occupation they're licensed in because they're thinking it's going to take me a long time to make any money down that state because I got to get licensed in that state. So what they're doing in Arizona is they're saying, hey, if you're licensed in California or Nevada for that same trade, we're going to accept that if you're if you have a license in good standing. So it makes sense, huh? Sharp people. But what, you know, isn't it typical? All these rules and regulations cost billions and billions of dollars. How about this? In Palm Beach, Florida, or Palm Beach County, Florida, All topless dancers are required to register with county officials and obtain an adult entertainment work identification card. Costs $75 a year. What's that all about? Are they going to, like, judge how they dance? Are they going to wonder whether their hygiene is right? The regulation is ridiculous for a lot of reasons. But at least applicants, many of whom are paid exclusively in cash, were able to pay the government ID fee with cash, making things a little more convenient and a lot little less privacy invading. But not anymore, thanks to the alleged actions of one sticky finger government employee. The employee diverted at least nearly twenty nine thousand dollars from county coffers between October 2013 and mid-November 2016, just about three years, picked up an extra $30,000 on top of his salary. The money came from both adult entertainer fees, approximately 70% of which were paid in cash and quarter payments intended for Victim Services Fund. 
What business would it that they'd have to regulate the dancers? Are they just trying to hassle them? Demanding strippers to be licensed in the first place is ridiculous. There's no legitimate public safety issue here or consumer protection element. People look at her and say, I like her or I don't. You're not going to sue somebody or get hurt feelings over it. It just it's just nuts. The whole thing is just totally nuts. All right. I lost track of my time here a little bit. I wasn't paying attention. It's the middle of the night here. I'm getting tired. And uh, so I think I'm about get it, getting it squared away now where I can take another break and then uh, get on to the wrap-up here. I want you to, you hear all these terms, Antifa and Black Lives Matter. Really what they are is front groups. There's a socialist front group. There's a communist group. They're all being funded, and I mean really funded, millions and millions of dollars. They're being funded and organized by people like George Soros and others that want to see this country go down, be done with it. And um, so when you hear me talk now about there's this article by William Federer, F-E-D-E-R-E-R. I don't know how often William is writing now. But he is one sharp guy. He is getting older, I think. But thank God he's still writing because he's very, very bright. So he says Hitler's brown shit brown shirts are using antifa tactics or used antifa tactics to overthrow Germany's republic. So maybe you've never read <clears throat> about how the Nazis came to power in Germany. But there is a a plan how that's done, and it happened in the Soviet Union. It's happened in a number of communist states or communist nations. So he says, let me give you a little history. After World War I, Germany's economy suffered from depression and a devaluation of their currency. On January 30, 1933, Adolf Hitler was elected chancellor of Germany, promising hope and universal health care. Sounds like Obama, right? Less than a month later, on February 27, 1933, a month, less than a month. Now, I want you to think about this. You think in a month he just decided to do something? I'm going to tell you all about it when we get back here in just a second. Olá! 
man, you got to tell them why all lives matter. No, that's, that should be obvious. All lives do matter. You got to explain this to people. <laughs> all lives matter. I will, you would never see me walking down the road with a damn Black Lives Matter sign. If you do, I got a gun to my head. <laughs> and I'm just trying to survive. Hey, look here. As black men, black Americans, I'm not African-American, I'm a black American. <laughs> I was never born in Africa. Yeah, I'm a proud American, right? I just, whatever. You get, you got that? Yeah, I'm not from Africa, I've never been to Africa. Yeah. I don't know nothing about Africa. Okay, black. I don't speak African, I don't know any African history. I know some American history. Because <laughs> you're American. Because I'm American. But look here, this whole Black Lives Matter, why well, can't get down with this organization? Main reason, your whole narrative yeah. that police officers are hunting down black men on a daily. Yeah, like it's a purge. Right? Is that Black Lives Matter, that was built on a lie. Remember this? Hands up. Don't shoot. Yeah, Mr. Brown, the, the guy that got uh, Ferguson rides. Ferguson rides. They initially, when that story broke, mm -hmm. they said the cops just got the car and shoot it, just start shooting. Hands up, don't shoot. That was a lie. That was witnesses. That's yeah. why that cop didn't go down for that, because mm -hmm. there was white and black witnesses that came out and said, no, mm -hmm. this dude was out of control. That was a fight yeah. for us. Like, he had to kill him. Yeah. So but you know what? The thing is, when it comes about, uh, about police shootings and police brutality, let me yeah. break it down for you. In the white community, when a, man, a white man is shot and killed by the cops and he's unarmed, white people don't trip. Because when he read the narrative, when he found out the real story, he attacked the police officer. He tried to take his gun. Everybody in the white community would say he deserves to get shot. Yeah. You know, the police officer should trying to protect himself. Yeah. In the black community, that same story, that same narrative, oh, he shot an unarmed black man. He didn't have to kill him. He was unarmed. White people hold their own communities to a high standard of black. Just yeah. because you want to unarmed doesn't mean that shooting was not justified. Yeah. You grab a man's gun, what do yeah. you think is going to happen? Yeah. You attack a police officer, jumps in his car, and start punching him in the face? Going, yeah. You deserve to get shot, man. Yeah. Jeez. I mean, come on, people. And you got to realize what the media is doing to you. That Black Lives Matter organization is just to keep black folks upset because the Democrats want you to vote for the Democrats. Yeah, that's man. the whole point of this organization is keep black people pissed off yeah. so they can keep you enslaved mentally like you need them. Yeah. Because they're supposed to be y'all saviors. They're not trying to fix any issues in your community. No. They just want to keep y'all pissed off so y'all be indebted to them. Because yeah. supposedly they're going to clean this up for you. Yeah. They're going to give you your reparations. They're going to make your life better. Yeah. Ain't nobody going to make your life better yeah. except you. Except you. What if Democrat Party woke up and he stopped preaching race and identity politics? The Democrat Party would be signing their own death warrant. You won't need them anymore. If black people walk up and say, I don't need the government, I don't need the Democrats, I don't need Republicans, I just need to make good decisions, stay out of trouble, and work hard, I can, I can achieve anything I want in my life. Yeah. If black people walk up and did that, you don't need the Democrats. You yeah. don't need Republicans. Yeah. If, if y'all, like, black lives matter, it, black lives only matter yeah. when a white person takes a life. Yeah. Like, this is a perfect example of what's been happening over these riots. Yeah. Two police officers have died at the hands of riders. They're both black, dedicated yeah. their lives to their communities. Yeah, more black people have died since these riots. <laughs> and like, and where's Black Lives Matter? Because yeah. it's not about saving black lives. It's, it's about pushing this agenda yeah. on black people's minds, keeping them enslaved. That's yeah. the 
whole point is, this is not to help black yeah. people. It's to keep you pissed off. Look how pissed you are. And look, white people, you want up these black live medicines? You need to wake up. Now, well, we've been talking to some white people. It's like, man, I, I put it up because, man, I... Yeah, because you think it ma it makes you feel good. You're just throwing gas to the flames. <laughs> a white person walking up the street with a damn Black Lives Matter sign. You got to be smoking crack cocaine. They, Look they, here. They do it because they feel guilty of what they You don't do things because it makes you feel good. No. You do, the, you do things because it's the right thing to do. Yeah. And you pushing that, that fake... That lie to black folks? That, Look, a majority yeah. of black people killed in this country is not by white police officers. It's by blacks. A majority of all blacks are killed by their own race. Yeah. And we only make up what? What, 12% of the population? Yeah. It's not white men gunning down black men. It's black men gunning down black men. Yeah. Have y'all forgot who killed Malcolm X? Who killed Tupac? Who killed Biggie? We killing each other. Ain't no white man out there in a hood killing us. It's us. Yeah. Black Lives Matter, bullshit. If y'all yeah. really cared about black lives, y'all would show up whenever somebody shot and killed nah. in these urban neighborhoods. Then that's, then again, that's not the point. Of course there's police <clears throat> brutality. I've seen videos yeah. of white people getting killed by the cops, too, yeah. unarmed. It's not a race issue. It's yeah. a, more of a humanity issue. It's yeah. more a police brutality issue. And if you want to fix police brutality, you don't hold no ridiculous lie like that. Black yeah. Lives Matter. Everybody knows Black Lives Matter. Yeah, the only, the, the, another thing I want to add is you can't, I, it makes you feel good about the Black Lives Matter, but still that's pushing a lie. Yeah. It's like black people are getting gunned down by cops. Yeah, there's been some instances where some, some, some bad cops out there. Yeah. But it's been some instances where some bad cops kill white folks. Yeah, so that's why it's so bad to walk around with that because you're pushing a lie. Yeah, it's, it's a lie. And it's only hurting black folks. You're not helping. You're just digging that, that hole of oppression deeper and deeper. Yeah. There's more white people getting shot and killed unarmed than blacks. Yeah, that's by a the cop, fact. By the cops. But you don't never hear about it. Because it doesn't fit the media narrative. And it doesn't fit their agenda. That's why they're pushing that, because they want blacks to stay on that Democrat plantation. It's all a lie. It's to keep you upset. Yeah. Go to officialharshtwins.com and pick you out a patriotic t-shirt today. Hell, I'm even giving you 20% off. Just type in discount code Chinese virus. We call it Chinese because it's from China. We making t-shirts great again. Well, we are watching massive demonstrations of unrest across our country. City governments are disassembling police forces. At the same time, state governments are assembling armies of tracers, informants, and bureaucratic busybodies intent on coming to your home to force you to test or to quarantine or to vaccinate. Unlike the riotous armies of Antifa destroying physical property, these armies will be empowered to invade your privacy and to substitute their medical judgment for yours. Like you, I'm confused. Despite CDC statistics indicating that COVID-19 is not as deadly as advertised and that the lawless lockdown of the economy based on flawed models, state and local governments are not through meddling with your health care and your liberty. But wait. The COVID-19 recovery rates among the vast majority of the populace are beyond the 99th percentile. Why do we need to be testing and tracking and mapping and spending resources we have long ago depleted to find out who already had it? 
just what are we trying to accomplish by this? If the testing reveals that more people have been exposed than we formerly estimated, does that make the mortality rate even less? And if the testing reveals that less people have been exposed than we formally estimated, didn't we succeed in flattening the curve? But even if we didn't flatten the curve, our hospital systems were still not overrun. So what are we doing? That's a great question. Now, tragically, many Americans have started to feel relieved because their governors have lifted some of the restrictions on their liberties in a piecemeal fashion. But complacent acceptance of these table scraps is dangerous, and here's why. In the first place, the nullification of God-given and constitutionally protected liberties by any elected official is a violation of his or her oath of office and a rejection of the rule of law. It violates the principles of English and American government, which go back at least 800 years, back to and beyond the Magna Carta. It appears Americans are facing tyranny today in 2020, just as they faced it in 1776. At that time, the colonies were compelled to acknowledge and declare that King George III, by his repeated and continuous violation of his compact with the people, had broken the bonds which connected him to them and them to him. They declared him unfit to be their ruler. They declared that he had unkinged himself. Maybe we should now consider that many governors in concert across these United States have assumed powers not allowed them by the terms of their office and misused the police power which originates from and belongs to we the people to enforce their unlawful edicts, mandates, and orders. Like King George III, they have openly and continuously violated their contract with the people, thus breaking the bonds that connect them to us and us to them. They have proven themselves unfit to govern. They have ungovernered themselves. And although a few of these executive officials may be well-intended, we must heed the words of Daniel Webster. The Constitution was made to guard the people against the dangers of good intentions. History testifies that in bondage we burn. But in freedom, we flourish. Now more than ever, we must stay freedom-focused. This is Jake McCauley. And Dominic McCauley. With the Institute on the Constitution, bringing you the American View. Somewhere, somehow, somebody must have kicked you around, So, in less than a month, Adolf Hitler was elected uh, after he was elected, and uh, a crisis occurred. Isn't it amazing? Almost like it was planned all along. The Reichstag, Germany's capital building, was suspiciously set on fire with evidence pointing to Hitler's supporters. Hitler was quick to use this crisis as an opportunity, remember Rahm Emanuel? Always use crises as an opportunity. Don't let it go to waste. Hitler was quick to use this crisis as an opportunity to set aside Germany's Weimar Republic and suspend basic rights. What's happened? We've had our rights basically suspended because of not a fire, but a coronavirus. Now we have fires, and there's all kinds of rights being suspended surrounding the uh, looting, etc., etc. So Hitler set this up as if his enemies did it. 
he actually lit this place on fire. And he's circling his opponents, setting them up. So Hitler overthrew the traditional leadership of Germany by using riots to destabilize the country. Huh. I guess we aren't the first ones to ever think about that. Re using riots, coordinated, choreographed riots to destabilize the country. What did COVID do? It destabilized the country. It shut down institution after institution after institution, folks. Families, it destabilized families. Divorces up. Drinking up. Drugs up. Suicide up. Overdoses up. Let me read this again. Hitler overthrew the traditional leadership of Germany by using riots to destabilize the country. That's just like our traditional leadership. Worthless. He overthrew the traditional leadership. This is so interesting to me because almost the same phrases are in the newspaper today. Hitler had radical homosexual activists Ernest Rahm and, and his feared brown shirts, also called Sturmteilung or stormtroopers, to storm into the meetings. This is where they got their title from. They stormed into meetings of political opponents. I want you to think, as I'm saying this, of the different conservative speakers invited to campuses around the United States that have been shouted down by stormtroopers like Ben Shapiro, Charles Murray, Ann Coulter, Tommy Lauren, Michelle Malkin. They go to speak. I thought there was freedom of expression on campus and free thinkers. Not, not now. So he sent their brown shirts in to meetings to break up the meetings, disrupt them, shouting down speakers. Now, just look at on YouTube. You can see that brown shirts organized and Antifa style protests and street riots, smashing windows, blocking traffic, setting fires, vandalizing and even beating to death innocent bystanders to spread fear and panic. You think, how come they bit, how come they shot that 75-year-old guy? They just want to scare the hell out of people. How come they beat, beat up people? How come they set fire to this? They scare people to death. People are scared. Good people are scared. Good people. They implemented boycotts, so they stirred up and disrupted the order of business by vandalizing, setting fires, blocking traffic. Have you ever seen the free freeways that they're blocking out there? This is all being choreographed, everything you're seeing on the news. They implemented boycotts of Jewish businesses and in the uh, uh, it's called Crystal Nacht or the Night of Broken Glass, these stormtroopers smashed windows of over 7,500 Jewish stores and 200 synagogues in one, one night. I want you to let that sink in. What kind of impact would that have on your life? 
Once securely in power, Hitler had his SS and Gestapo secret police kill. Think about this now. They killed the brown shirts in the night. What they call the night of the long knives. Hitler eradicated any remnants of moral religious restraint. He forced old military leaders to retire. I want you to think about Obama firing 200 military leaders when he was in office. Disrupting things, you see, disrupting things. Hitler eradicated any remnant of moral religious restraint. Hit Obama eliminated some of the chaplains in the military. Obama was all full of perversion, right? Some were imprisoned and even shot without a trial. German military leaders that he didn't like. Hitler confiscated guns from the private citizens. Hitler's minister of propaganda, Joseph Goebbels, pioneered the use of fake news to sway public opinion to accept the lies of the deep state. Quote, if you tell a lie big enough and keep repeating it, people will eventually come to believe it. The truth is the greatest enemy of this state. In socialist countries, a person's life is only of worth if it benefits the state. I've seen that over and over. People just disappear. No state so still valuable to the date. No, sorry, no life still valuable to the state will be wantonly destroyed. Those not promoting the deep state narrative are driven from their jobs, publicly ridiculed, and eventually removed from society to labor and to concentration camps. Now, that's what people are fearing. Those not promoting deep state narratives are driven from their jobs, publicly ridiculed, and eventually removed from society to labor and concentration camps. The National Socialist Workers' Party operated over 12 Hundred concentration camps where millions of Jews, Poles, gypsies, handicapped, and others were experimented upon, tortured, and even were killed in gas chambers. For China to have a few million incarcerated in these re-education camps, Fulan Gong, different types of religious folks, Christians included, This, they have 20, 1,200 concentration camps there where millions of Jews, etc. German churches were silent, it says, as they had been for centuries. They've been, they've been teaching pietism, a version of separation of church and state where Christians were instructed to only focus on their own personal spiritual life and withdraw from involvement in worldly politics. The church ought to have a big say in worldly politics. But it's just kind of lost its mind. This is so eye-opening for me because some of the, the phrases used in this article so accurately depict what's going on in our neighboring state or even in some of our cities in California. 
The church stood by and silent as the National Social Workers, Socialist Workers Party usurped power, leaving the stopping of Hitler to done, be done by the sacrifice of millions of courageous allied soldiers. By the time a few courageous German church leaders spoke out, such as Dietrich Bonhoeffer, it was way too late. The government had gone so powerful it simply arrested and executed him. Hitler's National Socialist Workers Party used diplomatic intimidation, deception, and blitzkrieg, which means lightning war, attacks to take control. I want you to, my dad fought in World War II and my uncle did. I never asked him enough questions about that time. I want you, you to think about this. this. This should sober you. Some of you have got your confidence rattled. Germany, before we even got in the war, these are countries that it had taken over. Austria, the Sudeten region, Bohemia, Moravia, Poland, Denmark, Lu Norway, Luxembourg, Belgium, Holland, France, Monaco, or Monaco, Greece, the Channel Island, Czechoslovakia, Baltic States, Serbia, Italy, Hungary, Romania, Bulgaria, Slovakia, Finland, Croatia, and more. I want you to think about that if you were over there in Europe, or maybe if you were here in the United States, and you were watching the war, and you read that many countries had been taken over already by Hitler, would you have lose, lost hope? Pretty intense, huh? Other Axis powers were also aggressively expanding. Italy had invaded Ethiopia in 1935. The Empire of Japan had invaded China in 1937. The United States entered World War II on December 7, 1941, when Pearl Harbor was bombed by Imperial Japan. The turning point in the war was the Battle of Midway. The basic things I wanted you to get out of it, I gave you. Uh, it's amazing the uphill climb that probably they all felt it was going to take to defeat someone that had taken over so many nations already. It's amazing. It just, to me, it's awe-inspiring that in the face of that, they just went down and laid their lives down. I'm just looking for some nuggets that I can read you out of this that uh, is pretty inspirational, actually. Reagan was there. I think I don't know if they met every year, every five years or ten years or something <clears throat> along the uh, D-Day coast. Said 40 years ago at the mo at that moment, the air was dense with smoke and the cries of men, and the air was filled with the crack of rifle fire and the roar of cannon. At dawn on the morning of the 6th of June, 1944, 225 rangers jumped off the British landing craft and ran to the bottom of the cliffs. 
Their mission was one of the most difficult and daring of the invasion to climb these sheer and desolate cliffs and take out the enemy guns. The Allies had been told that some of the mightiest of the guns were here and they would be trained on the beaches to stop the Allied advance. The Rangers looked up and saw the enemy soldiers at the edge of the cliffs shooting down at them with machine guns and throwing grenades, and the American Rangers began to climb. They shot rope ladders over the face of the cliff and began to pull themselves up. When one ranger fell, another would take his place. When one rope was cut, a ranger would grab another and begin his climb again. They climbed and shot back and held their footing. Soon, one by one, rangers pulled themselves over the top, and in seizing the firm land at the top of the cliffs, they began to seize back the continent of Europe. 225 came here. After two days of fighting, only 90 still could bear arms. At 6.30 a.m., Allied forces began landing. Troops ran across the heavily fortified beaches, a number of beaches, Utah Beach, Point du Hoc, Omaha Beach, Gold Beach, Juno Beach, Sword Beach. Ocean water ran red with the blood of almost 9,000 killed or wounded. It just, and I just see that. I just think, and we're putting up with this nonsense on the streets of America. In the next two and a half months from this beach assault, over 2 million soldiers arrived on the shores. Paris was liberated on August 25th, 1944. A Nazi war machine was pushed back over the Seine River. It's very interesting. It's very, very interesting. You think you know these historical figures, and then it tells something about them. You think, oh, I didn't know that. <clears throat> Franklin Roosevelt, let me read what he said here. Remember, he's the president that's in a wheelchair. And we're probably getting close to finishing with this. said, I ask you to tonight, he said, my fellow Americans, last night when I spoke with you about the fall of Rome, I knew th- at that moment that troops of the United States and our allies were crossing the channel in another and greater operation. I ask you to join with me in prayer. Almighty God, our sons, pride of our nation, this day have set upon a mighty endeavor, a struggle to preserve our republic, our religion, and our civilization. Give strength to their arms, stoutness to their hearts, steadfastness in their faith. They will need thy blessings. Their road will be hard and long, for the enemy is strong. He may hurl back our forces. He, We know that by thy grace and by the righteousness of our cause, our sons will triumph. Some will never return. Embrace these, Father, and receive them, the heroic servants, into thy kingdom. Of those who never returned, was Orville William Epperson, the uncle of the writer of this document I'm reading from. He was second lieutenant in the U.S. Army Air Corps. Orville Epperson was killed in the month after D-Day, after D-Day, 
part of Operation Overlord. With his other eight crew members on July 9, 1944, when the B-17 was shot down about eight and a half miles northwest of, uh, of over the English Channel. His name is on the monument near Omaha Beach. FDR concludes a D-Day prayer like this. Help us, Almighty God, to rededicate our, ourselves in renewed faith in Thee in this hour of great sacrifice. I ask that our people devote themselves in a continuance of prayer as we rise to each new day. And again, when each day is spent, let the words of prayer be on our lips, invoking Thy help to our efforts. Give us strength. And, O Lord, give us faith. Give us faith in Thee with Thy blessing. We shall prevail over the unholy forces of our enemy and a peace that will let all of the men live in freedom, reaping the just rewards of their honest toil. Thy will be done, almighty God, I am. Amen. FDR's D-Day prayer will be added to the World War II Memorial in Washington, D.C., thanks to the efforts of Chris Long and the Ohio Christian Alliance, who initiated the D-Day Landing Prayer Act. Anyway, pretty interesting stuff. I didn't know that Roosevelt was quite that spiritual. I didn't ever have bad feelings about him. I don't, didn't like some of his policies, but he did. He was a heroic leader during the war. Thank God for him. It's a lot different than we have locally here over a stinking flu. Um Franklin Roosevelt also meant, like, for instance, let me read this. This great war effort must be carried through. It shall be not be imperiled by the handful of noisy traitors, betrayers of America, betrayers of Christianity itself. Uh, we guard against the forces of anti-Christian aggression, which may attack us from without. And the forces of ignorance and fear which may corrupt us from within. That's what's happening with the coronavirus. Ignorance and fear. FDR, uh, then uh, those, force, those forces hate democracy and they hate Christianity as two phases of the same civilization. They oppose democracy because it, it's Christian. They oppose Christianity because it preaches democracy. Preservation of these rights is vitally important now, not only to us who enjoy them, but to the whole future of Christian civilization. This guy knew knew what was going on. He says the whole world is divided between pagan brutality and the Christian ideal. We choose human freedom which is the Christian ideal. Well, thank you for listening today, and we're going to call it a day. And I uh, hope this turns out all right. Tanner usually does a great job. I got a little wobbly in there a couple times. Um, it's just too late for me. So we'll have better success next time. Thank you for being with us, and uh, pray for our country, and stand up for what's right. God bless you. We're so glad to see so many of you lovely people here tonight. We would especially like to welcome all the representatives of Illinois' law enforcement community who have chosen to join us here in the Palace Hotel Ballroom at this time.
Sugar to kiss. 